0: You can be seated. We just finished singing about the greatness uh, of God. And I'm wondering if you've ever thought about greatness. We have that word that we use, and, and we might attribute it to, to someone or, or something. And, of course, when we attribute it to God, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? He is worthy he is mighty, he is all-knowing, he is all-caring, he's all-powerful, he is a great, great God. And I think it's interesting that we use that word to describe our praise to him, it's interesting that we use that word to describe how much we want to give him worth and and value, and and it's interesting that we use that word because, let's face it, we, we as people, we strive for greatness too, don't we? That's part of being human. We, we strive to be good and we strive to be great. It's something that is just part of being human. And I, I wonder if you've ever thought about when you get to the end of your life, if you will have achieved what the world determines is, as greatness. I wonder if you've ever thought about if you get to the end of your life and, you know, is your legacy going to be large or is it going to be small? Is it going to be wide sweeping or is it just going to make a, a very small impact there's a philosopher german philosopher by the name of george hegel and he said nothing great in this world has ever been accomplished without passion and while i agree with that it's the world's definition i i kind of think that nothing great for god can ever be accomplished without first listening to him and hearing from him but i don't know about you The whole idea of listening to God, hearing from him, seems elusive sometimes, doesn't it? It seems like something that we may strive for, but we often miss. Hilton Head Island Community Church, I believe that we can get our minds around what it means to listen to God. And I believe that we can get our minds and our hearts and our actions and our lives around this idea of being on mission and doing something great for the kingdom of God. And we're in this message series called Think Global, and my purpose, my goal, kind of our whole emphasis in this series is really to, to kind of widen all of our lenses on what it means to see the gospel message reached into the world and advanced into the world. Now, I realize that some of you probably walked in today and, and you know, that word gospel kind of strikes fear in your hearts. You're like, yeah, I've heard that before, and it not, hasn't been good. You know, maybe maybe your past religious experience, your past church upbringing, when you hear that word, there's all kind of associations that you put to that word. And they're not necessarily good things in your mind. I want you to hear that the original language, that word means, literally it means good news. How can good news be bad? It shouldn't be an evil or scary thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is truly good news and here's the story and many of you know this but maybe there's some of you that like it's never really you know sunk in before it never really you've never really made it your own so i want to tell you the gospel message and kind of set things up before we dive in today to today's message here's the gospel message you and i we were born with this little thing called sin we're all sinners romans the book of romans talks about that we're all sinners and 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 romans says that we fall short of the glory of god we can never measure up to that greatness that we just sang about, that we just worshiped him with. We, we have faults and failures. I know I do. The good news is that God loved each one of you, and he loved me so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to a cross to die for our sins. Because there had to be someone, there had to be something that was sacrificed to take away our sins and that's what god did that's the good news of jesus and so he went to the cross and he died on the cross and the really good news is three days later he was gone he was with god in heaven and because of that selfless act you and i can have eternal life with god we can be with god when we die one day when we go to heaven that's the good news of jesus christ that's the gospel message and so we're in this particular series and we're talking about how that message, how the gospel message was advanced in the first century and how we can be people who participate in the advancement of the gospel even today. Um, for those of you who may have walked in late or I don't know you, I'm, my name's Todd. I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And um, I just want to say this, um, Todd Cooper, who came up here before and talked about pastor appreciation today, he's in trouble. So anyway, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. I really appreciate him doing that. But I want to let you know just for a moment here as we pause um, how much I appreciate and love pastoring you and being your pastor. I love every minute of it. And I love uh, uh, pouring my life uh, into our church. But the thing that I love the most is, is when people understand that message that I just talked about. That's my favorite thing is when people walk in these doors or walk in the student room here backstage right behind behind me, when they walk in there and they hear that message and they say, yes, I want to believe that message. That gets me going like nothing else because that is the story of redemption. That's the God man story that he's been working on since the beginning of time. And when you and I say yes to Jesus, when we accept Him as our Savior, when we say yes to Him, yes, we have eternal life in heaven, yes, we know where we're going, yes, we know we're going to be with Jesus, it's going to be awesome, we talked about that last summer, it's going to be great, but we also play a part in this advancement message, and we need to be prepared, we need to be ready for the great things that God has for us, and that means stopping and listening for His voice. It means taking a moment and listening to what he has to say about our role in the kingdom. That's what today is all about. That's what this message is all about. Our role in what God is doing in the kingdom work of advancing the gospel message. How how many of you had grandmothers who uh, were great cooks? How many of you had grandmothers? uh, Almost everybody has a grandmother who's a great cook, right? I used to go over to my grandmother's, um, her her name was Kay Boyd, uh, Grandma Boyd, I just called her Grandma, and uh, we would go over there, and my favorite meal that she made was um, around Christmas time. Um, She made these steaks. I love steaks. Anybody else love steaks? I love a ribeye that has a lot of fat in it. I realize it's probably the most unhealthy thing on the face of this earth to eat and consume, but it is good, isn't it? And I love having a big old ribeye and, you know, putting a little uh, garlic uh, uh, powder on there and some sea salt and putting it on the grill with some applewood, you know, roast, uh, p- put some applewood in the grill or maybe some hickory. Oh, man, it's awesome. But my grandmother had the best marinade for steaks I- I've ever tasted. And um, so at Christmas time, we'd go over there. Well, one year at Christmas, we gave her a uh, book that was kind of like this family memories book. And the whole goal was for her to fill this book out and and maybe pass it along um, to someone in her life. And so towards the end of her life, kind of surprisingly to us, she filled the whole thing out. She put pictures in it. And we have this on top of our refrigerator today. And I was so excited. She gave it to me um, a few years before she passed away back in 2007. And in it was that recipe. It was the marinade, and it's awesome. So a few weeks ago, I got some good ribeye steaks. I didn't have as much fat in them that time. And that's, you know, we're trying to eat healthier around the Cullen house. So we didn't have as much fat in them. But I got these steaks and, you know, I, I, I prepared the steaks and um, we uh, we got this, all the, all the parts of the marinade, the ingredients for the marinade, um, she used vegetable oil. I don't like vegetable oil, so I used olive oil instead, so I changed it. So she's probably rolling over in her grave. That's okay. She'll forgive me for that. But anyway, I use olive oil, and there's lemon. You put a little lemon in there, and sugar. That was the kind of the, her secret ingredient, believe it or not. Sugar, and salt, and, and pepper, and thyme. And uh, oh, it's great. And so Sydney was there with me, and she likes to cook. And often it's Sydney and myself, my ten-year-old daughter, and we're cooking together. And I said, "So we just got to whisk this up, and we're going to pour it over. We're going to, you know, um, prepare the steaks and, and put some holes in the steaks with a fork. And We're going to pour this marinade in there." And we did it, and we got it all ready. And Sydney was like, "All right, let's go out to the grill. Let's cook them up. It's time to cook them, right?" I said, "No, it's a marinade. We got to put them in the refrigerator." She's Daddy, how long? I said, for six hours at least. What? I thought we were cooking these things now. She wanted that steak now, and I, exp- I had to explain to her what a marinade does. Marinade sits around that piece of great beef, that steak, and it soaks in, and it gets those flavors locked in there, right? It goes inside that steak, and so when you cook it and then you eat it, you taste those flavors, and it was so good six hours later. I believe, church, I believe Hilton Head Island Community Church, that if God wants you to do something great for his kingdom, that he is going to want you to marinate in him, to spend some time soaking him up, to spend some time before you go out and do that great thing for him. I believe that he wants you to pull you to him and soak him in his word Because when we do that, when we spend time hearing the heart of God and hearing from God, not necessarily audibly, but that still small voice, when we know that God is calling us and speaking to us about doing something great for his kingdom, when we've spent time with him, we know what that thing is, and we can do it with the full confidence that he wants us to do. Nothing great in the kingdom of God has ever been done without first hearing from Him. Today is a personal message about you hearing from God for what He wants for your life, that thing that He wants to do great in the kingdom through you. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of continue where we picked off two weeks ago. We kind of did a survey of the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to pick that up today, and then we're going to dive into one little passage that I want you to see that I think will really help you to understand what it means to hear from the heart of God. And so you can actually go ahead and turn to Acts 13 if you have your Bibles. We're going to be in two verses, verses 2 and 3 of Acts 13. But if you don't have your Bibles, those mess- that words will, the words will be on the screen, and we're going to get there in a minute. Let me just give you kind of an overview of the book of Acts so that you can understand the landscape of what was happening in the first century with God and the advancement of the gospel. It's really an amazing story. Any history buffs in here Do we like history some of you like history love history you guys will like this message kind of a continuation from a few weeks ago the book of acts can be broken into three different sections the first section is chapters one through seven that's when the church came together that's when everything kind of coalesced and kind of came together and god was doing amazing things through his holy spirit In 2015, we're going to have a message series on the Holy Spirit. I'm very excited about it, and it's going to be awesome. We'll talk about that in 2015. But God was doing amazing things among a group of people in Jerusalem who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's what Acts 1 through 7 is about. And then in Acts 8, we see that things began to change. There began to be persecution. These Christians, these followers of Jesus, there in Jerusalem, they were being persecuted, and uh, there were there were things and people and movements that wanted to stop the advancement of the gospel. But God is God, and He's sovereign, and He's much bigger than that. And so God used these people in Jerusalem in the first church to begin to spread the message that I just explained to you out regionally in. To Palestine in the area of Israel and Palestine, what we know of Israel and Palestine today. And so the message of the gospel began like a drop in a pond, like a stone dropping in a pond to spread regionally to this kind of area of the world in that day and age. And so we see that in Acts, and that's really in Acts 8 through 12, that the advancement of the gospel was beginning to happen, and we talked about that two weeks ago, and what we said was, is that God was using the people's circumstances back then to leverage the advance of the gospel, and he can do that through you and me. Like when we're going about our business, he can use us to spread the gospel message. He can use our situations and even our suffering. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks when we talk about Philippians. He can use what we're going through to help advance the gospel. That's what he was doing in the book of Acts written by this guy named Luke in Acts 8 through uh, 12. And then we come to chapter 13 of the book of Acts. And from Acts 13 to the end of Acts, Acts 28, you see the gospel message being spread through the whole known earth during this period of time. And so everything went from God leveraging the circumstances of those first Christians in the first church to an intentional, prepared movement of God by people going out into the rest of the world intentionally with a plan of action to spread the good news of jesus christ the gospel of jesus christ and that's kind of that last phase of acts and here's how it progressed real quickly we'll go over this Spend about five minutes on this it was the very first missionary journey it was in acts 13 we see it in uh, acts 13 uh, verse uh, 4 and the first missionary journey went out when a man named barnabas and a man named saul who later became paul went out from Jerus- or from Antioch where there was kind of this like outpost station of this Christian group of people, and they went out into the world. And here's what happened. They, they, they went out and they traveled to Cyprus, this little island, and they went back to Antioch and, and their, their, where their headquarters was, uh, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and that means absolutely nothing to you and me. But here's what it means. It means that the gospel message advanced into what is modern-day Turkey, kind of the southern part of modern-day Turkey which was a long, long, long way away from Jerusalem, wasn't it? And so we see that happening there in the first missionary journey with Saul and Barnabas. And these were two guys... They were pretty normal guys. Now Saul was a Christian killer. We talked about that two weeks ago. He was killing Christians and God got a hold of his life and he turned to Jesus during a time when he was going to a place called Damascus and he was going there to order more Christians to be killed and God got a hold of his life and he became a follower of Jesus and then very quickly wanted to be used by God to spread this gospel message. Well God said no you got you got about 10 years before you're ready. And literally kind of went into hiding for a long period of his life. And then God began to use him. And another man by the name of Barnabas, who was a very normal uh, man. And then we find the second missionary journey as we kind of continue in Acts 13 through 28, where Paul and Timothy now, a guy named Timothy who became uh, Paul's uh, mentee. They went to Derby and Lystra and Macedonia and Philippi, Thyatira, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. And many of you know Athens, you know where that is. What modern day country is Athens in? Greece. You see the gospel message has spread now from Palestine in Jerusalem, not just regionally, not just into southern what is modern day southern Turkey, but now this message has gone all the way to this major city called Athens. And the reason that that's important is because in that day and age, Athens was the center of intellect and education and commerce for that that region and so it was vastly important that the gospel message got to athens during that second missionary journey and so the gospel is now being spread deep into turkey and into modern day greece and macedonia and then they go on the third missionary journey went back and 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 kind of regrouped in antioch and they went back out to galatia and ephesus and deeper and deeper into macedonia and greece and then finally back To Jerusalem and all of that is recorded in in Acts chapter 13 through 20 and then we come to chapter 21 and chapters 21 through 27 is the story of Paul being arrested really for the final time and he is sent all the way to Rome which is further west even than Athens and on his way as he's been arrested he gets the opportunity to once again advance the gospel message because God is God and he's sovereign and he's even going to use a guy who's been put in prison and probably beaten and probably flogged and being sent to Rome because nobody knew what to do with him and he used a guy like that to spread the gospel message and while he was in Rome in a jail he wrote Philippians and he wrote Colossians and he wrote Galatians and Philemon we're going to be looking at the book of uh, Philippians in the month of November And so we'll study that in detail. But we see Paul being used by God even in these dark circumstances. And the gospel message just keeps going and going and going. And great, great things are done by normal people for a great, great God. And I want to tell you, Hilton Head Island Community Church, if God can do that in the first century with no technology, with no lights or sound, or pictures, or communication, and very slow transportation. God can do something great through you and through me in our modern age. He can do something great through you and through me in the modern age. But I want to take you back to the point in time in Acts chapter 13 where it all began. And sometimes if you read the book of Acts... If you read how the gospel advanced, you may miss this, and it is so vitally important. It is so key, and we miss this. Take a look in your notes, and if you don't have notes, you can get on your device. You can download our app or go to uh, the website, and you can get notes there, but take a look at Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. I love this. The whole church is in Antioch. There's Jerusalem is like the main headquarters of Christianity, and Antioch is like the, you know, secondary headquarters. It's a little bit further north towards Galatia. And so here are all the church leaders. They've gotten together just like we are today, and they're worshiping the Lord. And look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said this, Set apart, I want you to remember those words, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Look at verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. While they were worshiping the, Lord, uh, uh, worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. There are two things that happen that are critical. Uh, the first one is the second one. I'll talk about it first. They sent them off. That was key, right? If they had just stayed there, the gospel wouldn't have advanced, right? The whole modern world would have known the gospel. In fact, you could really logically kind of say that you and I might have never heard the gospel if this hadn't happened. I believe God's sovereign and he would have done it a different way. But if you think of it logically, this was the beginning of the gospel heading further west, heading into Europe, where many of you and I, our ancestors, heard the gospel message for the first time and came to know Jesus as their Savior. And so this is a critical time, and they were sent off by the church. But this is what I want you to hear today. Before they were sent off, they were set apart. Before they were set off, they were set apart. Take a look at your notes. Before we can be sent out, before we can do that great thing that we believe that God wants us to do for his kingdom, before we can be sent out on mission, We must be set apart by God, marked, that's what that word literally means, those those two words, by God for his particular purpose. Before we can be sent out on mission, we must be set apart, marked by God for his particular purpose. For his particular purpose. What does it mean to be set apart? Well, it means pulling away from that which distracts us. From God, in order to hear from God. That's what set apart means. You see, God knew that these two men needed time to marinate with Him, to soak Him up, to soak His Word up, to have the Holy Spirit do a work in their lives so that then they could be sent off to do this great work for God. And it's no different for us today. Those of you who have been on short-term missions trips or perhaps long-term missions trips, you you know this and you understand this, that there's a period of time that you prepare for the trip. And it's not just, what am I going to put in my suitcase? It's not what, you know, hairdryer am I going to, you know, bring with me because they don't have the right electricity in the country I'm going to. And and it's not just, you know, how many, you know, pairs of shirts or whatever that I'm going to take because we're going to be doing a lot of hard work there in Belize, right, Belize team? It's not just that. It's preparing our hearts and preparing our lives to do that great work for God. It's preparing our lives to get out and to do something amazing for him. He wants us to be set apart in order to hear from him. I don't know about you I cannot hear from God when there's a lot of distractions around me. Now, I have ADD, so that's part of the problem there. But I don't know about you. Is any, any of you have trouble hearing from the heart of God when there's a lot of distractions like the kids and the phone and, you know, the, the, the mail and there's all kind of stuff going on? God wants us to pull ourselves out for a period of time so that we can hear clearly from him if we want to answer the call to do the great work for him. That's what set apart means. And these two little verses here are critical. Think about this for a moment. Luke is a doctor, and he's writing all these details about the early church. Doctors are pretty detailed. Most of them are. If they're good, doctors are detailed. And so he, Luke is writing this, this book, what became a book of Acts, and he pauses, and in these three verses, 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 13, he stops and talks about the different elements that were there that prepared Paul, Saul, and and Barnabas for this great work. It is so key. It is so key for us to understand what they did. How do I set myself apart from God? By being committed to practices necessary for the purpose of hearing from God. By being committed to practices, spiritual practices, God-centered practices, God-word practices that allow me to hear from God. It's not just separating yourself from the noise of life. It's separating yourself from the noise of life in a way that you can hear From God and there were four things that they did specifically in these two verses in verses two and three here that I think that we can draw from so that we can hear from God so that we have that time to marinate in him so that we be prepared to do the things of God take a look the first one is fasting really mean of me to use a steak illustration up front and then talk about fasting isn't it that's awful that's terrible I shouldn't I shouldn't even be honored on pastors appreciation day but anyway God used all throughout Scripture, not just in this instance, but God used in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, the practice of fasting to prepare men and women to do great things for him. Some of you have maybe practiced this before. Maybe you've had times where you were going through a rough time and you needed to hear from God. Maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time and you needed to hear from him about something, and so you decided to fast. And, and you may have gotten that answer from him during that time. But God will also use the practice of fasting to prepare you to do great things for him. Fasting is taking something out of your life that you desire, that you need, and relying on God to meet that need. And when we do that, when we truly rely on him to meet our needs, he will answer absolutely and for sure. In the Bible, it's almost always food, but, you know, it could be other things. It could be food. Fast from, you know, one meal. If you want to hear from the heart of God, maybe fast from one meal. If you do anything beyond that, please check with a doctor. And some of you don't even need to do one meal. And I understand that for dietary and health reasons, but you need to consult a physician if you're going to do more than that. I've gone through periods where I've taken a break from, from food um, and, and to hear from the heart of God. And it's been an amazing time spiritually in my life of hearing from him. We've had times in our church where we've asked our church to fast in different areas. And some of you are like, I can't fast from food but i can fast from technology and so fast from technology you know take a break from facebook for goodness sake for once that may be harder than fasting from food for some of you i don't know fast from technology we um we do this in our home every once in a while we'll have a weekend where we say hey no tv no technology no i whatever and we just take a break from it not during football season mind you okay (laughs) not during football season but we do Maybe take a break from entertainment, fasting, taking something out of your life that maybe you want or need that you rely on for something, for some joy or sustenance and relying on God because he will speak to you about that thing that he is calling you to do that's great in his kingdom. Secondly, there's prayer. Be in continual prayer, listening to God. You know what my prayers are most of the time? It's just me talking. It's just me rambling. Blah, blah, blah. Just on and on and on. God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I desire. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I desire. Help this person. But this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I desire. My prayers, I don't know about yours, they tend to focus on me and my needs. And I think that's a human condition, don't you? I'm not the only one. You know, sometimes when we are praying, I think sometimes what we just need to do is just be quiet. And just be open to his leading in our life. And not get quiet for the purpose of hearing other things, but be quiet and just listen to the heart of God. And he'll use his Holy Spirit and he'll use his word to reveal his great thing in your life. Thirdly, they were worshiping. The church was worshiping. Paul and Barnabas were worshiping. They were together giving praise and giving glory to God. But it wasn't just corporate worship. It was in their lives being focused with their mind and their heart and their actions on God and what he wanted. And so when we're God-focused in our thoughts and our words and our actions, God can reveal to us what that great thing he has for us is, and lastly, community. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. In this passage, you get the sense that the whole church kind of came around these two men, don't you? And it wasn't just the church leaders, but it was the whole church. They were gathering there, worshiping. They were together and they shared what God was doing. Listen, Hilton Head Island Community Church, we we have Bible studies and life groups and mentoring relationships that you can engage in. They're all over the place. They're everywhere. You can go to our website under groups and find out that information, and you can contact one of those leaders. Don't miss the community aspect in finding out what that great thing is that God has planned for you. You need to share that with others and have them praying for you and supporting you and backing you in that. Yes, there is this concept of pulling away and kind of drowning out the noise so you can hear from God, but there's also a community aspect. In fact, they laid their hands on them in a, in a, in a kind of a, a message of consecration and, and sending out. And that's what God was doing in that first church in those early days to advance the gospel. We explained the why before, we explained the why two weeks ago because. God's gospel is his mission. His good news of salvation through Jesus Christ is everything. And he wants it advanced. And he's going to do it one way or the other, whether we get on board or not. So, hey, why not get on board with what, you know, God, the creator of the universe, is doing. But how did he do it? He chose normal people and set them apart so that they could be sent off to do his work. And he did it with them, and he can do it with you, and he can do it with me. And the bottom line this morning is we must be committed when we must commit to being set apart for a while so that we are prepared to accomplish the greater things that God has planned for us in helping advance his message of good news. When I was 16 years old, some of you have heard this story before, and I'm sorry about that, but it really uh, dovetails well into this. When I was 16 years old, I went to a retreat with uh, my youth pastor, his name is Jeff Cranston, he's the pastor of our partner church, the church that helped us get started, Low Country Community Church in Bluffton. And, and this weekend, I had been up at Iwanataa on these camps before, by the way, if you're, a, um, if you're a high schooler, we've got a retreat coming up, you can find more information online uh, on that or ask Todd Cooper. Um, but uh, I went on this retreat, and it was at a place called Iwanataa, and I knew something was different this time because God would, was beginning to do something in my heart as we went up there. And that was the place that weekend when I was 16 years old that God called me to full-time Christian ministry. I knew after that weekend by a series of different events over the course of about 48 hours that God wanted me to be set apart to be sent off to do his will. And, you know, at that point in time, let me tell you something. I was scared to death this little suburban kid from Atlanta was scared to death that the sent off part was going to be like sending me to Zimbabwe or something. I mean, I was scared to death that it was going to be being a missionary. I don't want to be a missionary, but I knew that God was doing something and I knew that he was calling me to a full-time vocation. I just didn't know what it was. And listen, if you're under 20 something years old in here and you feel like maybe that great thing that you are going to be doing for God as a full time vocational ministry, man. Don't miss. Don't miss this being set apart thing. Students, college students, high school students, middle school, elementary. Being set apart is so important. And at that retreat, my pastor Jeff pulled me aside and said, "You know, God's doing something here. What's going on?" I said, "I think He's calling me in a ministry," and he helped me understand some of these practices to be set apart. And to prepare myself for ministry. But it doesn't have to be a full time vocational service. Listen, businessmen and women, God can use you to do a great thing in your workplace. But maybe you need to be set apart to find out what that is and how that is. Maybe some of you, you're in neighborhoods where some of your neighbors need help, they need assistance maybe that's the great thing that you get into a spiritual conversation which leads someone who maybe is much closer to the end of their life than you are and god's going to use you to do a great thing in their life maybe it's with a member of your family or maybe it's organizing some event or maybe it's going to belize next summer in 2015 or maybe it's in a few years if we as a church go to kenya and go to the slums of nairobi and help out there in the slums feeding children Or if we go to Atlanta and help out our missions partner in Atlanta. God has a great work for you and for me. But it very well may be that before he sends us out to do his work, if he hasn't already, he wants to set you apart. To be prepared to do a great work for a great We talk about action all the time. But don't miss that personal drawback and hearing from God. It's so important in the great scheme of things. And I believe if you do these things, no matter what age you are, that God is going to do something great in his kingdom with you. Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you are a god who loved us enough that you offered your son to die on a cross. You could have done it in a thousand ways, and you chose your son. That's the extent of your love. God, I thank you that you're a graceful God and that you did that through a graceful act. I thank you that you're a merciful God and that you fully justify us and you take our sins away. As Psalm says, from the, as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus, that we can have in Jesus. And if you're here today, you walked in these doors and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. We've been talking about this gospel message, but perhaps you're here today and it's not personal. Maybe you're here today and it's just something that you hear every, from time to time. You've read here and there, you heard it at school, you heard it at church. Maybe if you're a student, you heard it at Fields of Faith this week and you didn't make a decision. Maybe if you're an adult, you've heard it 30 or 40 times in your life and you've never made it personal. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And All it takes is for you to admit that you're flawed and to believe that Jesus died for your sins. Make it personal. And so i'm going to pray a prayer right now and if you've never made that decision for jesus you can pray it along with me in your heart silently doesn't have to be the exact words i say it just needs to be the intent of your heart it goes something like this god thanks for loving me enough that you offered your son jesus to die for my sins today i admit that i'm flawed and i'm i fail and I sin and I mess up. And today I put my trust in you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand up so I can pray for you. Just raise your hand in the quietness of this room. Thanks, I see you. Thank you, I see you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Pray that prayer. I'm not gonna embarrass you. And God, I thank you for those who said yes to you. God, maybe for the first time, they put their faith in you. And I pray that you would help them in their new faith walk today. God, that you would anchor them in your word, that you would lead them and guide them. And God, they would be focused on you with their lives. And God, right now, I pray for those who may have over the past weeks or days or months or maybe even years, felt like there is something great that you have for them and the advancement of the gospel message. And God, I pray that you would help them be, to be committed to these practices that literally began the process of changing the world. God, I pray that they would be committed to fasting and to prayer and to worship and to being in community. God, help them to be disciplined in it. Help them to find you in it, to hear your voice and let them marinate in you and be prepared to do that great work. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower and you say, Todd, I, I need to do some of these practices because God's got something great I know for my life. It's okay to say that and it's okay to admit it. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you again, but raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone ha- say, man, God's called me to a specific purpose and I know it and I just need some help with these practices. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray for those who raise their hand right now. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to be able to do some of these things so they can hear from you, so they can hear your heart. God, so they can be prepared to do your work. You're a great God. You're a mighty, awesome God. And I thank you for the work that you've done and the work that you're doing. And right now, we give you praise and we give you glory. And we say that you are a great God that's doing great things. Do that through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.